and we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every single step of the way, providing a seamless mortgage experience. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by the fantastic folks at Geico. I didn't read it last hour. I'll read it this hour twice over because you got to know. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance together. And the words of Craig T. Nelson and all the right moves, together. Having a hard work, having a home is hard work. Having hard work is a home. Having home is hard work. So get a quote today at Geico.com. It's absolutely easy. Final two hours of the show. We're in the second half. Tyler Dunn joins us at 1240. We got Boccioni and Botch. Tell America hello. What is up, America? Fantastic stuff by you. Dynamite drop in. You're the cat's ass. I love you. Also, worker shoot coming up at 12:20 p.m. Eastern. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. I've thrown out the number enough. Let's get down to business. My father. Do this without getting too emotional and going too far into the weeds. My father retired Wednesday. I went down to meet him. Of course, he had left work early. And he worked for a place. One of these days, I'll tell, I'll say what I think of the owner of the build, or the place that he worked for. I ain't going to say it yet because there's still people who, there's still some people who draw full-time paychecks there, and they need an income too, so I ain't going to say anything nasty yet. If they ever close the doors of that place, you better bet your ass. I'm going to take a whole segment out to wreck this guy's uh, entire thoughts. But I'm not going to do it now. So my father retires Wednesday. 41 years of service. 41 years. And I posted a couple of pictures of him. I posted a picture of my father. My, my father worked there from July 23rd, 1979, to December 9th, the day right after his birthday this week. 41 years. And I posted two pictures of my father. I posted a picture of one when we were at, I believe, what would it be, Kennywood now? I forget what it is, over in Pennsylvania. And I posted a picture of him from Wednesday. And the pictures are what look like, what, 30 years of manual labor from that time, 30-plus years of manual labor, can do to a guy and can do to the body. Because my father, when I was growing up, while only 5'10", 5'11", was this hulking mass of an individual. The hair, he looked like Hulk Hogan. Now he looks like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. And I tower over my father. And honestly, if I really needed to, I could scoop him up and carry him like a baby. I could carry him up like my, fi- my five-year-old son if I really needed to. He's very, very thin. Always has been thin. Painfully thin now. And there was a time where we had my dad up to dinner a couple of months ago. I had this thought. We had my dad up to dinner a couple of months ago, and he's sitting down, and we're eating. We're talking, and we you know, I asked him a couple of questions because he'd been planning on retiring here for a while, and I asked him a couple of questions about the first days of work there and everything like that. My father was a butcher for 41 years, basically. And it dawned on me for a moment that I used to be so terrified at times with my dad. My father and I get along great. I've always got along with my father. It's been a blessing. It really has been. But my father, like most American fathers of his generation, did grow up and raised me as spare the rod and spoil the child. And I've said the story before about the shame bush out in the field behind our house where 
I'd get the call from school after I misbehaved. Mrs. Kennedy called in fourth grade. My God, my dad looked at me. He said, Kenny, you stay right here. Don't you move. He got back into the he got back into the Chevy Caprice, drove up to the school, came back about an hour, hour and a half later. And I was so nervous about my dad coming home. I went out to the field, and it used to be this nursery where they grew all the trees and all the stuff like that. And I was out there in the field, and there's these woods, and just past the woods there's a bigger field, and there's this great big bush. And I would hide by that bush waiting for my father to come home. And I did it so many times I had a name for it. I called it the shame bush. And I would wait because we lived on a corner on a great big block in Perry Township back in Ohio. And my dad would drive down the one road and he'd come turn, take a left or take a right. And he'd come down Dalecrest and I would see that beat ass old Caprice come rumbling down the road. And I knew here comes my destiny. In the words of Thanos, I can run from it, I can dread it, but it's arriving all the same. And I would hear my father, and my father has, at the time, his voice has certainly taken a hit now, he's 61 years old, but my father at the time, you would hear him, and I saw him, he'd open up the door and he'd get out and he'd walk up to the side of the house and he'd disappear as he went inside the house and I'd hear, Kenny! And I knew that I was in big trouble and I'd have to go take that walk through the nursery, through the woods, into my father's house I would go. And I would meet fate. And as we're sitting there to dinner, I was remembering that. I go, gosh, I used to be so physically afraid of you. And now as I look at you, I could powerbomb you right off our balcony and you couldn't do a thing about it. I could hip toss him right through the French doors, over the balcony and into my own woods and he couldn't do a damn thing about it. I have total physical control over my father. There was another moment where one time my father, who at at a time during his life was a very heavy smoker. And my dad and I used to wrestle in the living room. And one time my dad put me in a Ric Flair style figure four. And I start crying. My mother's in the kitchen. She's sitting there and she's going, Ken, let him out of there, my God. She's got that Cleveland A, even though she's from Canton. Ken, let him out of there, my God. And my dad goes, he's not working hard enough to get out of the figure four. He's not working hard to re- he's not working hard to reverse it. And she goes, he's seven years old, Ken. He goes, he's not working hard enough to reverse it. He's big enough. Now look at him. He can reverse the damn thing. And so to add insult to injury, there's a pack of the basic 100 full flavors sitting there. And he gets the pack. It always was a soft pack. He used to send me back into the grocery or send me back into the gas station to get them. If I came out with a box, he'd send me right back in to go get the soft pack for him because, you know, everybody knew him. So I would have to go and get the soft pack, and he got the soft pack. He does the thing that old-timey smokers do where they can flip it, and he gets the thing right in his mouth, and he lights a cigarette while he has me in a figure four and says, I'll sit here and smoke the rest of the pack to my delight until you work hard enough to get out of this figure four. There were times while my father is a good dad and was a great dad to me, And yes, there were times where he administered by fear through me. He made me better. My father worked 41 years at a business that he did not like, at a job he didn't care for, because he had to take care of me and he had to take care of my mother. And I knew at the end of the day, I knew with him, without him having to tell me that I was taken care of by a responsible adult. 
a man who paid his bills the best he could, a man who would look out for his family. I knew that. It, it, it brings me great joy to say that. And hell, it brings me great joy to say that about my own father-in-law. We're simple folks, but they're good folks. And as I went through this, it made me think about this this week because I'm in Cleveland. And I see a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL that are playing better and better. And I wonder about how they are. And it, it, it hit me before because I've used an analogy before. If I let my son now, Axel, who's five years old, I know he's going to drive in the future. If I gave him the keys to my truck now and said, go ahead, you're going to drive someday, and he drove the truck into the high school down the street, they'd blame me. They wouldn't blame Axel because I'm the idiot who gave him the keys to the truck. He doesn't know any better. And just because he's going to drive someday doesn't mean he should drive now. And I've used that about franchise quarterbacks. But this week, America, it came full circle. My father is now retired from a job he didn't really like because he was a responsible adult. There were other opportunities that he may have taken, but they were questionable opportunities, and he didn't want to do it because he knew that a steady paycheck and a decent paycheck that could, that could take care of me and my mother was good. So he did it. And I think it's the same thing, and while I am certainly not a perfect person and not a perfect father, and I have my faults just like anything, I'm doing okay. And a lot of that I give credence to my father. And I think it's the same thing with us, with children, as it is for young quarterbacks. Because I watch Baker Mayfield now, and Baker Mayfield in 2020 is doing a hell of a lot better. No matter what you think of his personality, which I think to be abrasive at times, no matter what you may think of his dancing or his excitement or whatever, maybe you think he's just a little bit better of a Johnny Manziel, I have no idea. But no matter what you think of him, he's still been a hell of a lot better in 2020 than he was in 2019. And like I just said, it hit me like a ton of bricks this year. Because in 2018, he was new. Any quarterback with talent now in the NFL, if you have talent, you should be able to go out and play at a decent level at the beginning of your career. If you're a quarterback with talent, there's always the Justin Herbert principle, the Joe Burrow principle, the Baker Mayfield principle. There were some good games by by Josh Allen and some real flashes of brilliance by Josh Allen even in his rookie year that people find malign. We saw the same with Kyler Murray. When you start out and things are really just base defenses and, and cover two and things just to try to get off the field while they still figure you out, you can beat a lot of teams like that. I don't know how much I take out of the rookie year. But year two for Baker Mayfield, he had Freddie Kitchens. He had Todd Munkin. A dysfunctional marriage of offense. And Freddie Kitchens tried to be the cool dad. They were too emotional. They celebrated wins that they really shouldn't have celebrated. They beat Baltimore in week four, and it was as if they won the Super Bowl that year. It was week four. Baltimore goes to the playoffs at 14-2. and two. They never lose a game again. Cleveland finishes at 6-10, and 10, and there's questions about Baker Mayfield. And now I watch Baker Mayfield, and again, no matter what you think of him uh, in his personality and what you think of a quarterback, he is far better in 2020 than he has been in 2019. He's a touchdown away from adding it to his or to to equaling what he did in 2019. He is 14 interceptions below his mark of what he had in 2019. That was a note given to me by a fan on Twitter earlier this week. I didn't even realize that. He's been much better this year than what he was last year. And how am I to say it's supposed to be Baker or how am I to say it's supposed to be the coaching? It's got to be a mix of both. 
because we have to raise young quarterbacks the same way we raise young children. Stability, discipline, rules. Baker Mayfield is a natural problem child. And when he was at Oklahoma, he was better than 98% of the quarterbacks he played. He was a natural problem child. And he thought he had all the answers, and he didn't. And if you let a natural problem child have all the answers, you're going to have a lot of problems. And that's what happened with Freddie Kitchens trying to be the cool head coach or the cool dad in that situation last year. There's Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. He's now number three in total odds in Vegas on whether or not he will be the coach of the year. Mike Tomlin might finish with more wins, might end up being the coach of the year just because. But Kevin Stefanski's up there. You're taking over a franchise that has been terrible. You're taking a franchise that's been dysfunctional. And because there's been logic, there's been reason, they have had discipline again. The Browns have been better. Baker Mayfield's been better. I use another example in what I've seen out of Josh Allen. 2018 through 2019, Sean McDermott has been tough. He's been disciplined. He's also been patient. And here in 2020, both Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills, the people who drafted Josh Allen, get to reap the rewards of their discipline and their patience with Josh Allen. An MVP candidate who puts them in the same conversation of what they were back in the 90s with Jim freaking Kelly, who's a Hall of Famer. And another example for the ugly side of it would be what's going on with Sam Darnold with the New York Jets. Certainly some of this is probably Sam Darnold's fault, but when I have a level of dysfunction, when I have a person who can't control his football team or a father who can't control his family, when I put irresponsibility in charge, I'm going to get irresponsible results. It is not a total overflowing question of what we've seen in the NFL in 2020. The quarterbacks of 2018, the quarterbacks of 2019, the quarterbacks even of 2020, so young, so talented, they have reaped the rewards of discipline, of strategy, of common sense. And the ones who haven't had that around them have suffered. Joe Burrow had a coach who was trying to keep his job, who's trying to save his job, and has him throwing 60 times a game with a bad offensive line and no running game because Joe Mixon was hurt. And while that incident was a freak incident before, don't think we weren't talking every week of the pounding physically that the rookie in the face of the franchise, Joe Burrow, was taking every week. When you have people who are desperate who are in charge, you're going to have desperate, shoddy results. My father while never was a man who who spoiled the rod or spoiled the child by sparing the rod, was a man who was in my face with discipline, who did become one of my best friends over time, is a man I know I can trust. I know that while I may not be a Hall of Fame father or a Hall of Fame adult, I'm upright and I'm all right. And while Baker Mayfield may not be an upright or all right Hall of Famer, he could still be a franchise quarterback. He can still be a guy who gets a job done, who can help a football team win. The same can be said for Josh Allen. The same can be said for a host of other young quarterbacks out there. They can't all be Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, even though Patrick Mahomes has probably one of the best fathers in the NFL. 
literally and figuratively, with, a, with Andy Reid and his own father. You can't just put a quarterback out there and think the job's just going to get done magically. There has to be help. It's why I've said what I've said about Trevor Lawrence. I fear for what he would have to deal with with the Jets. I really, truly fear. It's why I said what I said about Joe Burrow. I didn't think this would happen to Joe Burrow. I didn't think this freak accident would happen to Joe Burrow, but I was worried from the moment go. Trying to save your job, putting yourself in desperation, not being responsible. For myself as a father, it will hurt those around me, and for those as a head coach, it will hurt those around them, including your young quarterbacks. 855-2124-CBS. Tyler Dunn, 1240 p.m. Eastern. We do work or shoot. Coming up next, it's Ken Common on CBS Sports Radio. 1 p.m. Eastern, it's all about the right place at the right time, and I think that these five teams in the NFL are in the right place at the right time for a run. That coming up 1 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Coming up at 1240, we got the fantastic Tyler Dunn, publisher of Go Long, but right now it's time for Work or Shoot. Are you ready, Botch? Let's do it, Ken. Let's get going with Work or Shoot. Hit it, baby. Let's get going. Let's get going. All right, Ken. We're starting off on the hardwood. Okay. Bucks forward Giannis Antetokounmpo has continued to remain mysterious about his future in Milwaukee. Giannis has until December 21st to sign the Supermax extension, which would keep him in town until at least the 2025-26 season, with an approximate $227 million guaranteed money. Work or shoot, the best move for Giannis Antetokounmpo to win an NBA title in the next five years is re-upping with the Milwaukee Bucks. I want to say yes. I want to say yes. I, he, he is a dramatic player. He's fantastic. I, these are all platitudes of, but I, I, I don't think he's a complete project yet, and I don't think he would think he's a pr- complete project yet, even though he's a little older in the tooth than what some people say. Um, I, I, I will say yes, but at the same time, I don't think. <sighs> See, this is what's difficult about M- Milwaukee. Milwaukee has not given me a reason to think that they will take him for granted. You know, the first time around with LeBron, LeBron did have reasons, no matter what people want to say, LeBron had reasons to think he was being taken for granted. Danny Ferry did not do everything that he could do, exhaust every option that he could do, because they were in some weird standoff thinking that, well, I can't go out and get these guys if I can't get a guarantee from you. And, of course, on the other side for LeBron, well, I can't sit there and give you a guarantee if I know that you're not going to go out there and do it. I think that Giannis is a different type of person. I don't know if he's as cold-blooded as LeBron in this sense. Maybe he's more, and I just can't read it right. I can be wrong about these things, obviously. If he signs that Supermax, has Milwaukee done anything to tell me that they won't do everything they possibly can to cultivate not just one, but multiple championships with Giannis and Tedekumpo? I don't think so. I don't think that they've done anything to say that that they can't be trusted. So I think I want him to. I don't think he will. I think naturally and probably if I was in his shoes, I'd probably be the same way. I think naturally you're distrusting of the ownership. You're distrusting of the organization you're with. So while I would say, yes, I think you can trust him and that they can put something together, and this might be their very best move because what are you going to do? You're going to chase the Houston thing again? That, that gets brought up by so many different players and by so many different people. Are, are you going to go to L.A.? Are we going to do a Clippers thing again? 
Let the Clippers try as much as they want to, and Steve Ballmer can throw as much money as he wants to. It's just abundantly clear that the Clippers are not the Lakers, and it seems that they never will be. Like, the Mets can be the toast of the town at times, as much as what Yankee fans don't want to say. The Mets can be the toast of the town at times in New York. It's just not that way with the Clippers and, 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 and Lakers. I think a great place is Milwaukee. You win a championship in Milwaukee, you're beloved forever. If you win a championship in L.A. with the Clippers, you would do something that would be an incredible thing, but there's just a stink about it. So I want him to sign the Supermax. Plus, I think it would be good for the NBA in general if he signs that Supermax, but that's a different conversation. Next. Work. All right, Ken, now we go to the press box. Well, that's a shoot. It's a shoot. Yeah, if I'm telling the truth, it's a shoot. That's a shoot. Gosh, I take a week off. I forgot the rules of work or shoot. I have to explain work or shoot at the beginning. Remember, work or shoot is like true or false, except it's false or true because I switch this thing around. And I watch too much wrestling or watch too much old-time wrestling because I haven't watched anything locally or I haven't watched anything new except for, whoa, the night before Thanksgiving, I actually sat down and watched that AEW stuff. That was the night before Thanksgiving. Other than that, I'll go see local stuff or I'll go see – National stuff when it comes in, when we're allowed to do go do that thing again. Other than that, I've been going through 1984 Mid-South Wrestling right now. So I like to get a little bit crazy about it. So work or shoot is really true or false, except it's false or true. But I don't want to say work or shoot, because if I just said true or false, it wouldn't be as much fun as saying work or shoot, even though shoot is true and work is false. Next, go. All right, Ken, to the press box. Dallas Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones joined, joined the KNC Masterpiece on Dallas's 105.3 The Fan yesterday and talked ah. about the way he plans to run the team in the future after such a disappointing season. While Jones will not be removing himself from the general manager role, he says, quote, I will change, I can change, I'm not saying which way I'll change, but I'm capable of change, end quote. <laughs> Work or shoot, Jerry Jones is a changed man and will rebuild oh. the Cowboys back into a contender next season. That's a work. It, no. You're 77 years old. That's a work. Work. You ain't, go, you ain't changing. 77-year-olds don't change. 77, 78. He might be 78 now. He ain't changing. I, I, I'm a fan of Jerry Jones. I'm entertained by Jerry Jones. He's made the NFL fun over his time, and he's a legitimate Hall of Famer. You ain't changing, buddy. These, If you're picking the players, the players can easily throw the coach under the bus. What are you going to do? Are you willing to admit that the players you pick aren't that good? You haven't been willing to do it for the last 20-plus seasons. What's going to make you change now? I don't believe you. You've talked about changing in the past. You haven't changed. You won't change. Your sons won't change you. You're not going to change. You may intend on doing it. You're not going to do it. It's the same thing with me and dieting. Yeah, I'm going to start January 2nd. Uh Uh-huh. We'll see. Next. Work. All right, to the field. Minnesota Vikings, winners of five of their last six games after a dismal 1-5 start to the season, face up tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a critical game for both teams' playoff lives. While the, while the Vikings are back in contention, their lack of consistency has put them in this do-or-die position, and the Jekyll and Hyde nature of the offense and defense has been an issue all season. So, work or shoot, Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer should officially be on the hot seat if Minnesota loses tomorrow against the Bucs. Man, Mike, that's a shoot. Mike Zimmer's been on the hot seat for five years, it seems. Shoot. Mike, Z- Mike Zimmer was on the hot seat in Minnesota before he even became the head coach of Minnesota, it seems. I mean, that guy's been on the hot seat for a long time. And when he started off this year, I just thought, well, the hot seat's finally going to get too hot and they're finally going to have to fire the guy. They have played for him. They've played for each other. Cousins has been better. It seems to be where, yeah, maybe we should stop with such the hot takes. And this includes myself where, you know what? Yeah, there's going to be teams that are able to handle all this stuff better than others. Maybe Mike Zimmer wasn't able to handle it as better as other ones, but they're starting to click now, and and they're beating teams they're supposed to beat. I don't care how close Jacksonville got. 
Jacksonville is a try-hard team. Jacksonville makes me think that they've wasted the efforts of Doug Marone down in Jacksonville. Because if he's able to get that team to play and play close against playoff teams, borderline playoff team is to be with Minnesota. Cleveland's a playoff team. They played close. They came within a couple of points of, of Houston, which is an up-and-down type of mess. They nearly beat Green Bay in Green Bay. You're, you're wasting the efforts of your head coach in Doug Marone. But more about the Vikings, they have finally settled down and found what their offense is, which is probably run first and then ball control with Kirk Cousins, who can conduct an offense as a professional. He's not a, to me, he's not a top eight, top five quarterback whatsoever, but he can conduct an offense professionally and take you to the playoffs there. So while I say hot seat and so it's a shoot, I want it to be a work. I like Mike Zimmer. Next. Shoot. All right, so we now we go to the diamond. The Philadelphia Phillies have hired longtime baseball executive Dave Dombrowski as their new head of baseball operations. Dombrowski, a key architect in building the 97 Marlins and 2018 Boston Red Sox's World Series championship teams, says he considers his new club situation a retool, not a rebuild, for okay. sure. Work or shoot, Philadelphia has hired the right guy to end their National League-leading nine-year playoff drought. Well, I actually like Dave Dombrowski, so I want to say shoot. Shoot. But what he just said was a work, because if you're retooling, then you can go out there and afford free agents. Like JT Riomuto, you can't just sit there and, well, we lost $2 billion, so we can't sign these guys. Okay, so it's not a retooling, then it would be a rebuild, because you have to rebuild with who? With farm players. And you might have to sell off current players of what you have. So it, it's a good line by him. I just don't believe the line. That part's a work, but I do think that Dombrowski's a good baseball guy. I think that's a shoot. Next. Shoot. All right, we go back to the arena, Ken. Brooklyn Nets guard Kyrie Irving, in an initial attempt to limit the misconstruing of his words, has somehow now made things worse for himself, essentially yeah, calling media members, quote, pawns, and costing himself and the team $25,000 in fines in the process. Ken, I need to ask you this, man. I know you're a Cavs guy. This man yeah. has won you a championship. I'm a huge <laughs> Brooklyn Nets fan. Work or shoot, is Kyrie Irving's talent worth the headache he brings to an organization? <laughs> he is one of the best finishers I've ever seen in my life. His talent, that is a shoot. Shoot. But remember, his injuries, that makes it a work. I Whoa. swerved you. It's a dusty finish. I think it's a work now because he's, he's injured constantly. And I don't. I, I got something coming up at 1:20 p.m. Eastern. I, I want to dive deeper into this because I think we got it all wrong about Kyrie and what he said about the media. People are taking one side or the other. They're going after media, calling the media, agreeing with them that they're pawns. There's other people saying that he needs to fulfill his obligation. I, I, I do not think we're seeing this. And I said the exact same thing about Marshawn Lynch. I'm gonna say the exact same thing about Kyrie Irving coming up at 1:20 p.m. Eastern. But overall, if you're saying his talent, yes, his talent, absolutely, it's a shoot. I mean, I've seen, I've seen him pull off miraculous performances. He's that good of a player. But because he's so often injured, I have to say that that's actually a work. So, Botch, I know you're a big Nets fan. In the words of Seinfeld, good luck with all of that. Coming up next, Tyler Dunn, publisher of Go Long. We'll talk NFL with him. We'll talk Carson Wentz with him. We'll talk about Week 14 with him. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by GEICO. Whether you're rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance together. Having a home is hard work. Get a quote at GEICO.com. It's easy. Coming up at 1, I think these teams, these five teams, 
are in the right place at the right time in the NFL. Joining us right now on the hotline, we welcome in Tyler Dunn. You can follow him on Twitter at Ty Dunn. You can take a look at his newsletter publication dedicated to enterprising football journalism. You can see it at golongtd.com. He's an exceptional writer, follows the game of the NFL, follows the game of football very, very closely, and I do encourage you to go check out his website and go check out that newsletter. I think I'm going to sign up for it coming up right after this interview. Tyler Dunn joins us on the show. Tyler, thanks for joining us. Beautiful, Ken. Great, great to hear, man. Thanks for uh, coming on board. Appreciate that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited for it. Damn it, I got one question to start off with. Hit me. Do, do you think it makes got it makes hardcore old school football guys go crazy or not know what to do when they hear about analytics nerds, quote unquote, and their their heavy use of fullbacks and the revitalization of the fullback in the NFL? Your thoughts? <laughs> I think that's good for everybody, right? That's just good for America. It's because see more fullbacks. Yeah. The cur- the curmudgeons I know, and I do know some curmudgeons. Well, the fullback. We don't use fullbacks. I'm like, man, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. You look at these offenses. They use fullbacks, man. They use that position. What are you going to say now? What can we say now with the with the renaissance of the fullback, Tyler? Oh, my God. Well, uh, if I can just do a quick tease, that that was one of our first profiles that go along with Andy Janovich uh, on the Browns. Talked a lot about drinking bush lights, trying to pop his elbow back into play, just being a hammerhead, just smashing everything in, in his way. Uh, that was a lot of fun. But I, as he would say, like, this just it, – it, it takes your physicality to a different level as a team when you can just impose your will – on the opponent, I, it, it's old school. It's throwback. You're right. The analytic nerds, of, whatever you want to call them, they've hated it for so long. But look at the best team, one way or another. They're using a the fullback, and I think in Cleveland, they use their fullback like you used to see in the '60s and '70s. It's, it's, he's, he's not splitting out like um, like Juice. You send it out there with. He's not doing all these weird different things. But they're just taking taking out linebackers head on. So it's beautiful to see. Ty Dunn joining us on the show. Tyler Dunn. Find him on Twitter at Ty Dunn. Do you like to go as Ty or do you like to go as Tyler? What the hell? We can do both. We can do both. Because I don't want to disrespect you, my friend. All right, what's going on? What do you think is the problem, the biggest problem with Carson Wentz? That's a good question. You know, you pay somebody that much money like they did, you expect him to elevate everybody else. I mean, that's what every team expects when you make that plunge for – 30 mil a year, and, and he just hasn't been able to do that. Now, I, I think there's a lot around him that, that's bad. Uh, I mean, look at some, some of the talent that they're trying to piece together with Scotch Tape. It's, it's rough. I get it. Like, you can make a lot of different excuses. You can definitely write off this season for a lot of different reasons. But at the end of the day, you know, he should be a quarterback that elevates everybody else. I mean, that, that's what you expect when you pay him that kind of money. And I don't know what it is. I mean, since that injury – just hasn't been himself. I mean, he, he just is almost kind of like he has the yips, maybe. He, he hasn't really just been that improvising, freelancing, just making that impossible play kind of quarterback that you saw. I mean, he was an MVP front runner before he wrecked his knee, and it wasn't even close. Uh, it, it just it hasn't gotten back to that point. I don't know if he does, if he will. You got a tough decision to make if you're the Eagles. And if you go to Jalen Hurts now, I mean, you're, you're seriously considering going to him long term, right? I mean, I get it. The season's kind of lost, but are you saying that Carson Wentz is lost? If you do that, you kind of are to an extent. 
Do you, well, if you're Doug Peterson, don't you don't you open up the quarterback competition going into 2021? Unless Jalen Hurts is garbage for the rest of this year, I don't know. But don't you don't you try to open it up for for 2021, or do you just make it Carson's job again? I I think you have to open, have to think outside the box to some degree, and, and have a competition. And I, I like Carson Wentz. I, I mean, we we all saw what he did that season; it was special. And you hope that he can kind of get some of that magic back. But if you if you make the plunge to just sign a big time wide receiver, you know, re, retool that offensive line. I mean, that's you're you're telling you're convincing yourself that he is the answer long term. And maybe, maybe they do that. Maybe that's the right call. But I think they drafted a quarterback that high in Jalen Hurts to open up a competition to, to see what they have in, in him and, and and change their offense to an extent. So you're going to do the latter. Are we overreacting to the loss for Pittsburgh against the Washington football team? Like, there, there's some there, – the more we talk about it, the more I think, hey, they're 11-1. and one. All right, they're not 1-11. and 11. The bottom didn't fall out on this thing here. I know they've lost some guys on defense. Their offensive line's a bit banged up there. Uh, their running game, James Conner's been hurt too. Is this the wrong time for Pittsburgh, or are we kind of making a too big a deal about it? Yeah, Ken, I, I'm not ready to bail on, on Pittsburgh just – it's just a different physicality there. It's a different defense. The fact that they were able to kind of keep chugging along when they lost Devin Bush. I mean, that would be just a fatal blow to a lot of defenses with everything he did. But, you know, it's just, you talk to players and coaches there in Pittsburgh and, you know, they hit more in training camp. I mean, they have tackling drills during the week, during the season. Uh, There's a different commitment level to playing that kind of defense. And it's been that way you know, our entire lives. So I, I think that they'll just find a way to keep this going, regardless of who they lose. You know, they got to get Vince Williams back from, from COVID at some point, you know, for the, for the playoffs, you know, the games that are really going to count. It might be rough Sunday night. You know, I think that the Bills are, are hot. Uh, Allen, that was his best game of his career against San Francisco. To, to play that coordinator um, who's going to try to confuse you and blitz you and do different things in the secondary and, and have the game he did. It, it was impressive. And, Pittsburgh's so banged up that that's going to be a tough one for the long haul though. Give me that defense. Give me that physicality. And I know everybody says, well, why aren't they running the ball? You know, why aren't they playing that kind of Pittsburgh football on that side of the ball? I don't know, man, but the talent they have at receiver, I think they should keep throwing it around. I I think they will be just fine on offense. I have compared Tyler Dunn joining us on the show. I have compared Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns of 2020 to Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans of 2019. Now, Tennessee's defense last year was better than the Browns last year, or this year, I'll I'll grant you that. But I I just see the way that they're run first, the way that they're handling the quarterbacks, the way that they're trying to knock down all the problems with turnovers. I've seen this blueprint before, and I think it actually makes me hopeful again for the future of Baker Mayfield. Ty, tell me why I'm wrong. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, we've yeah. been sleeping on this team all year, I guess, because they haven't really been playing, you know, a ton of great teams. But I mean, th- that was an absolute butt whipping in every way against Tennessee. I mean, they, they had a drop touchdown on the first drive. With, with that, you're talking five passing touchdowns in the first half for Baker Mayfield. I, I know the score looked somewhat close. The game wasn't. Um, that was impressive, and I, I just think that we spent so much time talking about the offseason the year prior, right, with getting Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, you know, all this talent. Oh, my God, Cleveland's back. Well, in this past offseason was a million times better for a million different reasons. I mean, to, 
to add the linemen that they did, Conklin, Wills, they, they made it clear, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to run it early. We're going to run it often. We're going to get Baker Mayfield working off play action. And Kevin Stavansky, you know, everybody there in Cleveland just raves about this guy and that how he can just adapt during a game. I mean, he's not stubborn. He's not going to stick to some philosophy because that's what he's always had. It, you know, if something's not working, he's going to find a way to adjust. And that's what you have to do as a head coach. I think that he just kind of, all right, Tennessee's going to come out. They're going to try to stop the run. What are we going to do? We're going to unleash Baker Mayfield. And when Baker Mayfield and the getting's good, there's not many quarterbacks better than him when he's just dancing all over the place and he's a front runner. And, you know, I mean that in a good way. He's a front runner. When it's good, I mean, he's on fire. He is that guy you saw at Oklahoma winning the Heisman. They absolutely can keep this going because I think they've got a formula that can, they can stick running the ball but they've got a quarterback who can make you pay when you sell out against the run. I've been wanting to say this for the last three weeks, and it's, it has even also been up and down, but I, I've been wanting to say this. I think Sean McVay, I love the way he can scheme runs. I, I think he's one of the three coaches I love having his offense run the football. His defense is impressive. I think Jared Goff can be good but can also be a liability. I think this is a team that can go to Super Bowl 55. You. I wish we could just sit here and debate and go back and forth, but I, I, I love the Rams. I agree with you. I think that very, very quietly, uh, Jared Goff has taken some major strides in year five. You know, it's not going to just jump off the screen, you know, like a Kyler Murray highlight or a Patrick Mahomes no-look or anything like that. But you know, catching up with Goff a couple weeks ago, I, I think his work with Kevin O'Connor really done wonders for his accuracy he's made a huge jump there at about 68 69 percent and you know he's more than just a a puppet for his head coach I mean he he can make audibles out there his teammates insist look he's getting us in to the right place I mean when Cam Akers runs for almost 200 yards I think golf's a big part of that he's okay swallowing his ego you know making some tweaks at the line of scrimmage to get to the right play do different things we were just talking about adjusting I think Sean McVay finally has made that big adjustment from the Super Bowl when Bill Belichick just embarrassed him and took away that wide zone scheme. I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of different things now, and, and, and we haven't even talked about the defense. You're right, Aaron Donald, he's the best player in the world on that side of the ball. Jalen Ramsey's a shutdown corner. they got playmakers everywhere. Darius Williams maybe the best player nobody knows anything about. Uh, I love this team. And in the NFC, you know, where who knows where Drew Brees' health is going to be. I like the Packers, but, you know, they, they've struggled in the playoffs for about a decade now. The, the Rams could be that team that gets hot and healthy at the right time. Tyler Dunn joining us on the show. What's a team, real quick, what's a team I should be talking about more? Another one. Oh, man. New York Giants. I know it's crazy. NFC, we've been sleeping on them all year. Yes, I'm telling you, this team, I mean, they've okay, five of their seven losses were by a touchdown or less. They've won, what, four in a row. They know what they are. I mean, Joe Judge has been just exceptional there. I I think he's balanced, you know, the discipline and the Oklahoma drill kind of style of coaching. Passionate. And and, and guys want to fight for him. I mean, when Logan Ryan's wife nearly dies, he, he, he tells Logan Ryan, look, take as much time as you want. Get away from this team. Get away from the facility. I, I know it's a, it seems like a small thing, but talking to Logan Ryan and these guys, that, that – stuff resonates the guys want to fight for him they want to play for him mm-hmm. they made russell wilson look like 
God, I don't know, Charlie Whitehurst? <laughs> he did not look like Russell Wilson. They've got talent on that defense. If they do just enough on you know, if they can just run the ball a little bit, Daniel Jones can just not turn the ball over, score a couple touchdowns, get a field goal, they absolutely could get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. Tyler, I can't thank you enough for the time. The website, golongtd.com. It's golong. Tyler, take care, my friend. Thank you so much, Ken. That was great. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Tyler Dunn. Follow him on Twitter, at Ty Dunn. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. When we come back, it's all about right place, right time. These five teams are in the right place. And also, what the Giants could do for Bill Belichick. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.